for years I've heard people say that young people don't want adults in their lives. And I have never thought that was true. I've never experienced that personally. Now, I, I think each of our children went through a stage where they would prefer to have other adults in their lives. But I think young people want older people in their lives. Sadly, churches have not grabbed onto that reality. Barna, which is a, re a Christian research organization, recently did a study that um, confirmed what I believed. I want you to hear this. This is young people, young adults today, were surveyed, and those young adults who have remained faithful to their to the beliefs of Christianity and have continued to live according to the standards of the Christian faith, they reported 70% of them said that they had meaningful relationships with older adults in the church that they grew up in. Think about that. 70% of, of those young adults who had remained faithful to Christ in terms of what they believe and how they live, they reported that they had meaningful relationships with older adults as they were growing up. Now, among those young adults that did not remain faithful, listen to this, only 27% said that they had had meaningful relationships with older adults. It appears that when young people grow up in a church where older adults are building into them, are encouraging them, know who they are, care about them, pray for them, speak into their lives, that they are far more likely to remain faithful to Jesus Christ as they go through college and as they become young adults who get married and have children of their own. Now, I think that's incredibly significant for the church of Jesus Christ to understand. Now, parents, hear this. Of those that remained faithful, those young adults that remained faithful to Christ, both in terms of belief and how they lived their life, 72% said that they admired the faith of their parents, that the faith of their parents became a model for them that they wanted to follow. Of those who fell away from Christ, the Christian faith, hear this, 16% said that they admired the faith of their parents. I think that's significant. And I think it's important that the church of Jesus Christ understand this reality. And that we as a church become a church where one generation is building into the next generation. Where we are systematically engaging with the next generation, that we are befriending, that we are praying, that we are speaking into their lives, that we are setting a godly example for them. And it is powerful. I remember when my children were growing up, they always had older adults outside of mom and dad who loved Jesus, who built into their life, who cared about them. 
And it was significant. And my children to this day remember who they are. When my youngest was, um, our youngest was growing up, um, we were living in an area where everybody was connected somehow. Everybody pretty much at that time had grown up in that community, had deep, deep roots in that community. In fact, I used to say to my kids, you're going to be really popular because you're like the only kids people can date and safely know they're not related to them. Well, every year they would have Grandparents' Day at school, which, of course, because everybody had grandparents that lived in the area, except for our children. And so my Katie invited this wonderful neighbor of ours that was a part of our church, that loved Jesus, and every year that there was Grandparents' Day, Lori Lowry would go and be Katie's little friend at school. It was incredible for her. And we had this growing up in that church. There was such a sense that we are family. And that's what the scriptures say that we are. But we need to live as if we are family. We need to be connected. And it's not just those that are biologically connected to us. Because you're my brothers and sisters. And, and those of us who are older, we have children in Christ who are not biologically related to us because we have had the privilege and the joy of building into their lives, of making an impact in their lives. We're doing a series out of 1 John, and this morning what we're going to see is that John's going to describe four different groups of people. First, he's going to talk to all of us who are Christians. Then he's going to talk to those who are about those who are specifically new to the Christian faith. Then he's going to talk to those or about those who are young in the faith. They're not newborn Christians, but they're young in their faith. And then he's going to talk to those who are mature in their faith. And you're going to find challenges in this passage for all of us. If you have your Bible with you, I'm going to be reading from 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 12, all the way through verse 14. Ooh, we're really going for it this morning. A big chunk. I want you to hear what, what John has to say, more importantly, what the Lord has to say this morning. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Let's pray. Father, give us understanding. Give us understanding of your truth that we may live out your truth this morning for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The question I want to ask this morning is simply this. Who are you influencing for Christ? Whose life are you speaking into for the sake of Jesus? Who are you impacting for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of of the continuation of the Christian faith and strength in numbers 
for the years ahead. Who are we building at cross points so that we can pass the baton to them and they become the leaders of the next generation of the church of Jesus Christ? Friends, it has to be intentional. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. A friend of mine always says, or likes to say, the church is one generation away from extinction. And it's true. If one generation is not building into the lives of the next generation, then we will cease to exist. But of course, God would never let that happen. But I want you to see these four areas that John speaks to this morning. And here's the first one. He he speaks to all of us as he encourages us to speak God's truth into each other's lives, reminding each other of the spiritual blessings that are ours because we believe in Christ. Now, here's what he says. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, dear children. Now, I've shared with you before that the Greek language is far more precise than the English language. This word for children is different from the word children that we have in the English version in verse 14. It's a different word, and it has a different meaning. And I'll explain that when we get to it. But this word children is a term of endearment. Numerous times throughout the writings of John, he refers to the, to the Christians, to the church, as his dear children. It's a term of endearment. It's a term of love. It's a term of passion. Because John is late in his life now. And throughout his life, he has been mentoring. He has been discipling. He's been building in to the lives of the people in the next generation in terms of faith. And he refers to them as his dear children. He has been their spiritual father. For those of you who are mature in your faith, who have walked with Jesus for many years, who are your spiritual children? They shouldn't just be those in your biological family. Who are you building into? Who are you discipling? Who are you mentoring? Well, John speaks to them, and you'll see this phrase throughout this book, my dear children, my dear children. You are my dear children. It's a term of endearment and love and passion for people for whom he has invested his time and his energy over the years. Now, what does he say to them? He he says, I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. He's reminding them of this incredible spiritual blessing. Their sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Now, if you've been with us throughout the whole series, you'll know that a few weeks ago we talked about, as John did, the theological foundation for the forgiveness of our sins. Now he's just reminding them of this reality. Listen to what he does not say. He does not say your sins are forgiven on account of your good works, of the good things that you do. He doesn't say your sins are forgiven on account of being in church every Sunday. He doesn't say your sins are forgiven because you've grown up in a Christian home or because you have Christian parents. He does not say 
that your sins are forgiven because you invest money in the kingdom of God. He doesn't say any of that. He says your sins are forgiven on account of what? His name. Now, what does that mean? A name, when they use that word in the Bible, it refers to all that we are and all that we are doing and all that we have done. So what it means is this. He's talking about Jesus. We are forgiven on account of the name of Jesus because of who he is. He is God in human flesh because of what he has done. He has lived the perfect life we could not live. And then he stood in our place on the cross, received the punishment we deserve, the wrath of God for our sins so that the love and the justice of God could be fulfilled in that moment so that you and I would never experience the wrath of God for the sins that we have committed. Now, why is this significant for John to do this in this moment? Because as we'll see next week, he's going to begin challenging how the people are living. He's going to challenge how they are living their lives. And he knows that that's going to stir in them guilt and shame. And he wants to remind them of, their, of the reality that Christ already dealt with all of that. Now, friends, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about just a few of the incredible blessings that we have in Christ. We don't have to wait until we die to experience what I'm going to share with you. God has already given you these gifts now. The problem is we forget. The problem is we don't understand. The problem is we listen to the voice of the accuser, the evil one, Satan himself, who will attack us and how we see ourselves, so that we don't see ourselves through the eyes of God, but we see ourselves through the perspective of the world. Now, listen just to just a few of these blessings, and I, as I share these, what I want you to do, I want you to think about somebody that God has placed in your life, anybody, that is in need of being reminded or maybe for the first time being told about these blessings, that these are a reality for them. Listen to some of these. We talked about forgiveness. How about the presence of God in our life through the Holy Spirit? I will never know a moment in all of eternity in which I am separated from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus my Lord. When I take my last breath, I will not be alone. I will never be alone. I will never be lonely. Christ is there for me, and he is present, and he lives, and I fellowship with him. I commune with him. We read the uh, communion with God without any fear or shame or the stain of guilt. I don't have to run from God even when in the midst of my sin. I can be embraced by God. I can come to the table of the Lord because of what God has done for me in Jesus Christ. I know the unconditional love and acceptance of Christ. Friends, those of you who are parenting, the most important thing for your children to know is the unconditional love and acceptance of Christ. They need, you need to raise them understanding not how the world sees them, but how God sees them. And when they have that sense, they will live with joy in their life. They will live with gratitude in their life. They will live 
and walk with Christ. They will not follow the crowd. Why do I need to follow the crowd? The one who created the universe is in love with me. We read on the peace of Christ, the joy of Christ, the guidance of Christ, the comfort of Christ, the purpose given by God for us in this life, the promise of eternity, the promise again to never leave us or forsake us, the promise of God to never give up on us even when we are living in the midst of brokenness. Who has God placed in your life who needs to know a truth, needs to be reminded of a truth about who they are in Christ, about how God sees them? John says that this is for the church. All of us, Maybe we're a brand new Christian. Maybe we're a young Christian. Maybe we're a mature Christian. It doesn't matter. We should be encouraging one another in this way. Here's a second group that he speaks to. He says, I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. Now, this word for children is different from the word children that he used in verse 12. It's a completely different Greek word. And when it's used, what it refers to are toddlers and infants, people who are young, very young, who are newborns. He's applying it, though, spiritually. Now, follow this. He's applying it spiritually. So he's talking about those who are brand new to the Christian faith. He's talking about those who are infants and toddlers in the Christian faith. Now, why does he use this image of children? What does a child need? A child needs nourishment. A child needs protection. A child needs direction. A child needs an adult that is building into them. You know, there's a reason children don't grow on trees. You know, and you go and you just pick them off off the tree just after they're in high school, um, you you pick them off the tree and you bring them home. No, they're absolutely dependent upon their mother and their father. They're absolutely dependent, more the mother at the beginning than the father, but they're dependent upon their parents. Friends, those who come to faith in Jesus Christ through Crosspoint Church, we need to see them as our children. And it's our responsibility to nourish them. It's our responsibility to protect them. It's our responsibility to build into their lives. What happens in a lot of churches, and, and I have failed at this, is that people come to faith in Jesus and we celebrate that moment, but then we don't do anything to nourish that faith. We don't do anything to protect them in that faith. We don't do anything to walk with them in that faith and to, and to make sure that they are encouraged in that faith. I'll never forget, and this is an image I will always have in my head. We had a, uh, my last church, we had a teenager who came to Christ with great enthusiasm and great joy. And I remember um, he was so excited about his faith that he went down and he got a tattoo. Um, Unfortunately, he didn't know the Bible that well, and uh, he used a reference, and it it was just a a Bible reference, 
to a chapter in Matthew and a verse in Matthew that doesn't exist. And um, then he tried to have them change it, and it didn't work out real well. But just a few years later, he was at a university, and he had completely walked away from the Christian faith. I counted that as my failure and a failure of the church as I looked at what happened with his life and I realized we just had not built into him. He came to programs, but there was nobody mentoring him and discipling him in his faith. He didn't have meaningful relationships with people who were older in the Christian faith. He didn't have that. I want you to see uh, hear these words of Jesus. And Jesus uh, shared this in Matthew 13. And it's a passage that's commonly called the sower and the seed. And basically it's about somebody who is sowing seed in the ground and, some, and they fall on different kinds of ground. And we read this. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word of God. Jesus is explaining the parable. And at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, do you see that? Since they have no root, that's the responsibility of the church. Now certainly they have responsibility in that. But we have responsibility to make sure that those who are coming and meeting Jesus, that they develop a deep root in the Christian faith. And since they, didn't, they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Friends, what are we doing? What are you doing to build, to mentor, to build into the life of a young, new believer? If you are new to your faith and you need a mentor, you need a disciple, call our office. We will find somebody for you. We do not want you we want you to, to dig a deep root in your life so that you can stand firm in your life. Here's a third group that we meet, and that is that we need to teach and model for those young in their faith the depth of biblical truth so that they may overcome the evil one. Now, actually, John is blessing what he calls the young men, the young people, the young adults, if you will, the teenagers, if you will. These are the people who in their faith are no longer babies. They're no longer spiritual babies. They have been growing. They've learned a lot about the word of God. They've deepened in their theological understandings of truth. And they're growing. But the challenge of this group, as we see in the book of Proverbs and in the book of James, what we see, the challenge of this group is that they lack life experience. You need life experience in order to rightly apply the word of God to your life. I remember when I was a new believer, I remember when I was a young believer, and I grew rapidly in my faith. I was reading the scriptures as a teenager. I was reading the Bible, and I was learning and growing. But I really didn't have enough life experience to know how to apply the scriptures to my life. There were things that were, would happen, and I didn't know how to respond to it. I didn't know what to do about it. Now, in the book of Proverbs, 
they talk about different kinds of people, the wise. Those are the people who are mature in their faith, know how to live out their faith. They talk about the fool. Uh, uh, they talk about the simple. The simple are those who know the right things but don't have enough life experience to understand how to live it out. They talk about the fool, the person who knows the right thing to do but chooses not to do it. Then they talk about the mocker. The mocker is the person who not only knows the truth and doesn't do it, but encourages others not to do it. The simple are not those that we would use that word to the way it's used today, but the way it's used biblically are just people who don't have enough life experience. What do they need? They need people who are more mature in their faith. They need people who understand because they've been through life. They've been through those experiences and those circumstances. I remember I had just come to meet Jesus, growing in my faith, and I was, a, um, I was young, somewhere between a baby in my faith and young in my faith, and I had a teacher in my senior year who did not like the fact that I was a Christian. In fact, the first day of class, he said, okay, are there any Christians in here? And I raised my hand. Unfortunately, I was the only one who raised my hand. And his goal was to destroy my faith. And I didn't have enough life experience to know how to, re, uh, how to refute the arguments he was bringing. So I went to an older Christian who was more mature in their faith, who had life experience, and I walked, they walked me through every argument, and I wrote a 20-page paper refuting everything that he had said. I needed that older person, and praise God, I had a meaningful relationship with an older believer in Christ. Now, here's what I'm talking about here, folks. I would long that we would be a church that would have couples that would mentor couples that are new to marriage. Christian couples that are learning how to be married together. I don't know about you, but it took us, what, three or four hours to figure that out. It took us a long time to figure out how to walk together and be married together in faith and what all of that looks like. Can you imagine if every young couple that was married at Crosspoint had the opportunity to be mentored by a seasoned couple, by a couple with experience so that they are helping this younger couple to become mature, more mature in their marriage together. How about people that are, that are different places in life, different experiences? I long that we would be a congregation that, are more, that is more connected to one another. Not just having coffee together, but doing life together biblically. Amen? That excites me. And that's what Christian fellowship is. But are we going to live that out together? Are we going to step up and volunteer and say, you know what, that, as the opportunities come, and the staff, they're probably just sitting here thinking, what are you doing to us? As we create opportunities, will you take advantage of those opportunities? Right now, we offer a class for people at any stage of their spiritual development called Rooted. It's a 10, 11-week 11-week class, and it's an amazing, I've done it I think six or seven times now. It's an amazing journey 
And you can be a teenager, a young adult, you can be an older adult, you will learn and grow. You can be a new believer, a seasoned believer, a young believer, and you will grow through this opportunity. We're going to have many other opportunities in small groups because it is critical that we get connected as a family. We need to love one another as family. We need to walk in each other's lives as family. And I'm not talking biological family. I'm talking about being the family of God together. And then it brings us to this group. I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you fathers. He says it twice. Because you know him who is from the beginning. Now this is... He's talking about those who are mature in their faith. They not only know about God, they know God. They not only know what's true about God, they've walked with God in their life. They've walked, God's been in their life, they've walked through the challenges of life with the Lord's presence. The Lord, they've learned how to follow the Lord's leading in their life. They've learned how to discern um, where the Lord's leading. They have learned how to deal with failure. They have learned how to deal with mistakes. They have learned through raising children. They have learned the mistakes that they made and they're ready to pass on to the next generation. Here, here, let me help you. Let me walk with you. Our Mothers of Preschoolers ministry is all about that. Each table has young moms and a seasoned mom. That's the picture here of older, experienced Christians who are mature in their faith, building into the next generation. John says to the church, he says, my dear children, because he had led many of these to Christ, he had mentored and discipled many of them. And those that he had mentored and discipled were now mentoring and discipling a new generation of believers. And he looks at them and he says, my dear children, do you have spiritual children? Do you have people whose lives you are building into for the sake of Jesus? One of the great things that we have at Crosspoint are mature Christians. We have many mature Christians. And to you, I would say, it is never time to retire. There's no retirement in the kingdom of God. We invest, we build, we walk with other believers. A couple of ladies that prayed for our children and were an example to our children Grandma Lois. Grandma Lois um, was almost 100 years old. And Grandma Lois would pray for our children every day. Every day. My children knew how much Grandma Lois loved them. Grandma Lois was known in the community. Her house looked like something out of Little House on the Prairie. Her land was worth like $10 million dollars. And she'd say, why would I sell my land? Because her kids wanted her to sell it. Why would I sell my land? She would walk along Burlingame with this 
outfit that looked like, again, she was, she was from the 1800s. She had this big old hat and these, and everybody knew Grandma Lois. She just loved people. But she built into people. And she never retired from ministry. I went to visit her when she was living now in a, in a, in a home. And her health had faded. She had her phone next to her. She had the, the church directory in front of her. And she was calling person after person after person. She said, Pastor, as long as God gives me breath, I will serve the king. Let's be that kind of a church. Listen, challenge and model for those who are mature in the faith a call to mentor younger Christians. For those of you who are mature in your faith, who are you mentoring and who are you building into? I'm going to close with a story. This comes from the May 2021. Okay, that's really, really recent, isn't it? GQ magazine. Oh, yeah, you noticed. Trendsetter, trendsetter. Some of you are thinking, oh, I hope not. The May 2021 issue of GQ, it has Justin Bieber on the cover and has an incredible article about him. Now, I have not ever had Bieber fever. <laughs> I want to be clear about that. If you don't know who Justin Bieber is, he is a pop star. In this article, and if you get a hold of it, it's worth reading. In this article, he's talking about his Christian faith. He's talking about a season in his life when he walked away from Jesus. Listen to what he says. He says, I was surrounded by a lot of people, and we were all just kind of escaping our real life. I think we were just living, we weren't living in reality. I think it would have probably resulted in just a lot of doing drugs and being posted up, to be honest. Now, years before, when he was 15, he met a pastor. This pastor built into his life. This pastor mentored him. This pastor built into him, but never asked anything from him. Because here this guy was making millions of dollars, famous. He never asked anything from him. He treated him like he would treat anybody else. It says that when Bieber finally began to emerge from his bad years and seek guidance, that pastor was still there. And Bieber noticed that in retrospect, he had always put our relationship first. And he began to just do life with this pastor. And apparently he had grown up in a home where he had been, um, that was a broken home and there was not good influence from his home. And he said, I began to hang around with this pastor's family. And he said, it began to model for me what a healthy, good family looks like. What it looks like to do life together as Christian family. And it had a huge impact on his life. This is just, what, a, a little over a month ago that this came out. And he concludes with this. If God forgives me, and he does, and he loves me, and he does, and he sets these things in motion, if he puts these desires in my heart, then I'm going to trust and follow him. Friends, I began by sharing with you 
a staggering reality that young adults who remain faithful to Christ have had older, more mature believers, I say older in terms of maturity of faith, who have built into them, who have walked with them, who have loved them, who have mentored them, who have discipled them. Are you ready for this? Only 40% said it was a staff member of a church. 60% of those said it was somebody else in the church. You can make an impact on the life of another person. You can set the course of their life spiritually. You can be part of that process. What a joy. What a privilege. What an honor. Will you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that encourages and inspires us. Father, it's our prayer that you would speak to each of our hearts. Give us wisdom as a church to know how to put into practice the things that we have been talking about. Lord, I pray that you would raise up an army of people who are eager to share their life with those who are younger in faith. Not to control them, but to love them and to serve them and to share with them, to pray for them. Father, may we more and more be that church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.